to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. I'm Jared Prugar. He, I've got Kevin Quickly along with me, and then Joe Smeltzer. We've got a trio of Penn State analysts here uh, for you this week. We're going to be talking a little bit about practice. We're talking about practice. Practice. That's right. And not a game. Well, actually, a game, but it's against Rutgers, so kind of sort of a game. Uh, It's it's a scrimmage plus. But the big thing is Penn State now this this fall or this summer, however you want to say it, is allowing more access to practice for media. Now, that does not always mean that we get to see a lot of stuff, but they are giving us some unprecedented access to the coaching staff and some players that we haven't really seen. And over the weekend, they had an open practice for about 1,500 to 2,000 fans showed up. Happy Valley on a rainy night. There were tornado watches and warnings and all kinds of crazy things. But that's something that's never happened at Penn State for for university and program that is incredibly guarded. Yeah, uh, I think the open practice uh, is a pretty good idea. Um, I was not there. Um, I had a prior commitment, and it was only announced, I think, eight days ahead of time, so not a lot of notice. Uh, but um, obviously it rained, which nobody can't control. But when you're having something for the first time, I'm sure there's always going to be some kinks uh, to work out, and uh, my guess is that uh, that was the case here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it was a good idea. Kudos to Penn State for – allowing it and i hope it's something that will continue in the years ahead so all right is he living up is he living up to the hype is has alar has alar missed a throw has he thrown an interception like are we going to overreact to that like what can we expect from him joe i'm sure he's thrown at least one interception um between spring and fall camp uh, but now i think uh, and I've been saying for a while that this quarterback uh, competition is not really a competition i mean i get why James Franklin and the staff will want to make it sound like a competition because there's really no point in officially giving a guy a certain job. I don't think any more than one, two weeks before the season. Uh, but yeah, Drew Hour, um, as Franklin revealed, is getting most of the first team reps. And um, I haven't seen too much of practice. I saw 15 minutes the Sunday of media day. Uh, which ended up being probably a little longer than 15 minutes because they spent one or two minutes getting everybody from the outside field at Haluba to the inside field because of the rain. So that was fun. But, uh, but yeah, our, I think Drew Auer, um has looked pretty good uh, from everything I can gather. And he's getting most of the first team reps. And it's only a matter of time before he's announced as Penn State starting quarterback, the first new starting quarterback they've had since 2019 so yeah and i think that's a really good point like jim he gets all the reps he gets most of the starters reps and he deserves them right if he's going to be the starting quarterback that's great the issue is and, and it's not really an issue for us because we know why he's doing this james franklin it serves no purpose for him to come out in july or august and say hey drew allers are starting quarterback that does that obviously does not help that helps Neil Brown that helps every opponent for the Nittany Lions, but it does them no service either. Number one, whether he, I don't know what the message is in the quarterback room. I don't, but obviously the, the writing is on the wall there, but at the same time, you know, when you look at it, you come out and say, there's a competition, there's a competition, there's a competition. We all know there isn't really a competition. Everybody and their mother knows it. If you're following Penn state football, but the little gamesmanship never hurt anybody. And it makes it a little bit harder because 
you know, sometimes people might actually believe it and they might game plan for somebody other than Drew Aller. Because guess what? Anything can happen. It certainly can. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the offense, but Joe, can you give us some insight on um, what does the defense like look like? We've talked a lot of Abdul. We've talked some Kalen King. We've talked about the defensive backfield ad nauseum, but what's the defensive end looking at? Like I've heard Chop Robinson is just, is just showing out like what's the defensive end depth look like? I mean, it's, it's going to be critical to the season at this point in time, if the defensive ends don't show up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, James's uh, media day presser, he said that Penn State has five defensive ends that they can win with. Uh, he didn't name them by name, but we know Chop is one. We know Adisa Isaac is one. Um, I don't know if uh, any freshmen uh, like uh, Jamil Lyons are quite on there yet. I mean, Vanover, uh, probably the third one. Vanover's a guy I think um, is a pretty under. Rated figure on this Penn State team played in all 13 games last year, got a lot of important reps, and I think uh, that's definitely a guy to watch. And keep in mind, all these ends are going to have to block Oli Pashanu as well, uh, so uh, that'll definitely help. Um, Devon Elise, uh, more of a tackle, uh, but oh, Denai Dennis Sutton, uh, that's a huge one who I think is a big breakout candidate for Penn State, former five star guy. I would guess that he is one of the five, and then the fifth guy, hmm, uh, maybe Zariah Fisher? Um, it's not. I think Zariah's number five, yeah. Yeah, because Smith Filbert probably would be, but he's out for I mean, you have a, did you say a Deesa Isaac? I forget. Yeah, so we got Chop, Chop, Isaac, Filbert, Vanover, and Denai, so yeah, those are definitely, uh, five guys and all of them, except for Zariah Fisher have proven at least something, um, at the college level, uh, but defensive end is loaded. Um, there's some worries about defensive tackle, uh, with the news that broke last week, uh, shout out to Sean Fitz of Blue White Illustrated for being the first to report, um, that Alonzo Ford transfer from Old Dominion, uh, will be out for the season. Uh, so that hurts, and defensive tackle, I think, was a bit of a question mark uh, coming in uh, as Penn State has to account for the loss of P.J. Must- Mustafer. Uh, but, yeah, I think overall, definitely on the edges, Penn State's looking good, and I think with guys like uh, Jordan Vandenberg, uh, Zane Duran, and, of course, Akeem Beeman, I think they'll be I think they'll be just fine on the interior as well. So, Yeah, defensive line is a position of strength for them. Um, and I love the fact that Dion Barnes is in charge of the group now. Obviously, he was a grad assistant, but I think it, there are not many people that you could probably upgrade like they did there. But he's a nice, he's a good young coach. He's been through the program before. He's seen a lot of Penn State football, and I think that is a huge asset to have on a defense that is honestly one of the strongest in the country. When you look at the, you know, even the, the second line, right? You look at Abdul Carter. Then you look at Kalen King, both Bednarik Award uh, watch list nominees. So there are just so many different guys and layers for the Penn State defense that Manny Diaz has got to be looking at shops. And that's why, unless it's a perfect scenario, Manny Diaz should be right at home in the Penn State coach's office. Yeah, and really, we haven't even talked to Curtis Jacobs. They're going to get a young freshman in there and Tamir Robinson playing middle linebacker as well. And middle linebacker was really a a weak spot of the defense last year. So to get Demir in there, get Curtis in there again. I mean, Curtis obviously is going into his junior season, so he's been there for a while, but 
he's already getting overshadowed by Abdul. Tony Rojas has been the talk of the offseason. He's going to play um, outside linebacker, probably opposite of Abdul. So, man, this this defense is it's going to be dominant. And, I mean, we're looking at probably a top two or three defense in the country. I, I Probably Georgia's is going to be better, but it's going to be who else is going to be better than that? Is, is Michigan – Ohio State, are they going to put a better defense out on the field than that is maybe Alabama, but it's definitely a top two or three defense in the country. It has all the makings of it. They just have to stay healthy, and obviously if you can stay away from the injury bug, good things will happen for the Nate Lions moving forward. Yeah, and they haven't. They've already been bit by the injury bug, right, Um, especially up front with uh, Ford and Vilbert both being out for the year, but um, you know, guys are going to get dinged up, uh, but James Franklin said uh, basically that this is the deepest team he has uh, he's had at Penn State, and I think the strongest depth on Penn State's team is in the defense, certainly. Uh, so, yeah, I think you guys hit it on the head, and it's going to be hard to score points against this team for sure. Right, and one of the teams that has struggled to score points against the Nittany Lions in recent history is, in fact, Rutgers, who we're previewing here in the second segment when we come back from this short break on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. They are Joe and Kevin. I am Jared. No, we are not the Jonas Brothers. We're just three Penn State analysts talking in football here on this podcast. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Rutgers. Rutgers, historically, they're New York's football team, right? Or something like that, New Jersey's football team. The birthplace and death place of college football is, in fact, Piscataway, New Jersey. But they're, I think it's going to be one of those situations for Penn State where they handle them pretty easily, even though Greg Schiano is doing a really good job at Rutgers really restoring it back to what it was before he bolted for the NFL just a few years ago. Yeah. I, I told my wife what we were going to talk about this week and she goes plot twist. We're going to win. So uh, she doesn't watch the most Penn state football games, but if that's, if that's her opinion of it, I'm if it really shows you the condition of the program there. Yeah. Greg Shiana is doing a lot of work. Uh, Wimsat it's got, he's got some stability there. Wimsat coming back, probably a quarterback. Maybe it could be Evan Simon who replaced Wimsat last year in the game against Penn State at the end, but Penn State's what 31 and two all time. They've outscored Rutgers 29.8 to 5.4 points over uh since Rutgers joined the Big Ten back in 2014. So really an uncompetitive series. Rutgers definitely sees Penn State as their rival and uh Penn State kind of just sees them as that little brother that they just keep dunking on on the on the hoop inside their uh their mom's living room or their basement. Oh, well, first off, Jared, uh, when we were going to break, you said Rutgers hasn't scored a lot against Penn State in recent history. Look at some Penn State Rutgers scores uh, from the 70s and 80s, and it's more than just recent history. This has been an absolutely awful uh, series, one-sided series, before Rutgers joined the Big Ten, and it hasn't gone any better for Rutgers since it joined the Big Ten before the 2014 season. And I think something – I think Penn State would – Whoop Rutgers, um, especially this year's team uh, at any time of the year, but it doesn't help Rutgers that they always get Penn State in November, right? They, they don't have that hope of Penn State uh, having some of that, you know, you see in September, you got the early season slug happening in the first half and maybe 
maybe the underdog keeps it competitive for a quarter uh, or two. I think an example of that was 2014, when which was Rutgers' best chance to beat Penn State. I think they were up 10 nothing at the break, uh, and Hackenberg let a comeback in Rutgers' first Big Ten game. Penn State spoiled that in Piscataway by getting a 14-10 win. Uh, but yeah, uh, nothing much uh, to add on there. Uh, last year's game was 59-10, to 10, I believe. I don't know if it will be uh, that lopsided this year, but it's not going to be good uh, for Rutgers. And I don't think there's anything in this series history, Big Ten uh, or prior, uh, that would indicate that this year is going to be a changing of the guard in any fashion. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's the thing, right? You know, Penn State just has to take care of business. Now, what I think is going to dictate the performance against Rutgers on this afternoon, or the, or that day, I guess I should say, since that's a, mo- a couple months away, is it's after Michigan. Is that a win for Penn State when they if they beat Michigan at Beaver Stadium? Rutgers is at home, which is huge. That, I think, is going to be the telltale sign. What has happened before the Rutgers game? If there's a lot at stake for Rutgers for the for that game, I think it's going to be huge because you've got the, the land-grant trophy battle, right, um, after, after that. But, you know, they could be in the driver's seat in the Big Ten, depending on what happens with that with that Michigan game if they if that's their second loss of the season one being Ohio State and two being Michigan then they're kind of out of control but if they if they're one and one so much can happen because you have you know you have the game um November 24th or I'm sorry November 25th I guess I should say so there's so much at stake there that isn't in really Penn State's control but what does dictate it is how that Michigan game goes if by chance they win that and they've already beat Ohio State, well, then they're in the driver's seat. Then you can't have a letdown. But if it, if they're 1-1, one one, it could be the same deal. But if they're 0-2, does that steam, does that snowball keep rolling like it has under James Franklin in the past? Yeah, I think Penn State's one safeguard to that is that it is, it is at Beaver Stadium. But looking at Rutgers' schedule, I mean, they could be have four or five wins at this point in time where the Penn state game becomes a must win, especially if they have four wins coming to that season into that weekend. Uh, they'll play Maryland to wrap up the season the following week, but they've got Northwestern and temple to start off the season. I think they can easily go two and zero there. Virginia tech is kind of a wounded duck after Justin Fuente left that program in shambles. I mean, I can't imagine the mess that Brent Bry walked into when he stepped back into the office in Blacksburg. Then they've got Wagner, they're playing Indiana. Wisconsin probably is going to have a good team this year. So, I mean, there's a chance that Rutgers has four or five wins by this point in the season, and Rutgers will be fighting hard. Greg Shiano is going to have those boys wound up trying to get that sixth six win of the season to get them bowl eligible. And it could be that Rutgers is going to throw a good punch, but, I mean, if Penn State's defense is any remote sense of healthy after the Michigan game, I mean, that they can throw a heavy punch, but, man, that defense is going to start smothering them after the first quarter. Well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah. You know, you look at their health, you look at kind of how things are going to go. It's a November game, a, a mid-November game. There are going to be some kind of elements involved, in my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays a factor as well. Yeah, and I wouldn't worry too much about a letdown um, for two reasons. Number one is it's senior day um, at Penn State. Uh, so even though these guys aren't technically seniors, it's probably Chuck Robinson's last game at Beaver Stadium, probably Kalen King's last game 
at Beaver Stadium, probably Ole Fischander's last game, probably Curtis Jacobs' last game. So um, I think that uh, with those guys being motivated and the younger guys being motivated to play for them on uh, senior day, uh, that would help um, avoid a letdown. And the other thing, uh, the day that I was convinced that Rutgers might never win in Happy Valley was the second game I covered in the Beaver Stadium press box two Novembers ago. You had Rutgers. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned Rutgers might be sending the five wins with a chance to get in the bowl game. That's where they were in 2021. Um, you had a Penn State team that was in the midst of a very disappointing year, ended up going seven and six. But, um, and as we remember, like half the team, Sean Clifford included, uh, were battling a flu-like uh, virus that hit campus. So um, Penn State uh, was battling a sickness. Rutgers was battling to get in a bowl game. It wasn't a great Penn State team. And Penn State still won 28 nothing. So if that if all of that was working to Rutgers' advantage and they lost by four touchdowns, and with this team presumably being much better than the 2021 Penn State team, I don't know. I just don't see a real path uh, to – Rutgers sneaking up in any way so yeah I think it's I think it should be a pretty easy win for the Nittany Lions I just think there's so much that could be at stake and obviously it's only August but who knows what can happen between now and November so we're going to come back and talk a little bit of music we're going to talk about a little bit of random things when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Nittany Sports Now Network Podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin and Joe, and I'm Jared. There's one thing that's never really broke my heart, gentlemen, and that's long neck long ice, neck cold. ice cold beer, right? And Luke Combs is bringing some of those to Beaver Stadium next April. And why this is important for Penn State football, number one, is at Beaver Stadium. But number two, this is going to dictate, I think, when the blue white game is. I'm expecting it to probably be probably April 20th. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't expect uh, Penn State to play in the blue-white game the week after Luke Combs' concert destroys the grass field at Beaver Stadium. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe only the second concert at Beaver Stadium, and the first was another Luke named Luke Bryan. Um, Lily and I went, or my wife and I went, uh, to a Luke Combs concert down in Charlotte a couple weeks ago. Great show, great performer. Pretty excited that he's going to be uh, going up to Central PA. But, uh, yeah. It's exciting that Beaver State, that the campus and that the university itself is embracing bringing performers. I mean, you have a hundred to seven thousand foot arena. It's great for a summer concert series. It's only used seven times a year, eight times a year, excuse me, with the blue white game. So, yeah, and that's something that Pat Kraft openly said before. He doesn't want it to be a place that's used seven or eight times a year anymore. And he's, uh, this is an example of uh, putting your money where your mouth is. And I think I love Pat Kraft. Uh, personality-wise, I love what he can do fundraising-wise for Penn State that I think maybe Sandy Barber wouldn't have been able to do as well in this new NIL era. Um, But uh, my view of him as an athletic director isn't all that much yet because he hasn't had time to do a whole lot. I think if you're an AD, it's going to take you a few years before anybody really knows if you're good or bad, if you're a good or bad fit for the school that you're the athletic director of. And I think uh, we're still in kind of the wait and see uh, with Pat Kraft uh, results-wise. Uh, we can talk more 
more about that on a different episode. But as far as Luke Combs goes, uh, yeah, Beaver Stadium should be having concerts, and you can't really have a concert with a in a stadium with a hundred plus thousand seat capacity, unless it's a big name. And Luke Combs certainly is a big name. I didn't take the chance to see him at Heinz Field in my hometown of Pittsburgh this year. I'm still calling it Heinz Field, but um, I wasn't there for that, but I fully intend on uh, making the trip up uh, for this show. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a great thing uh, for uh, the town of state college and for Penn state. So I can tell you, you sold out bank of America stadium two nights in a row. So I don't think I'll have a problem. Good. I don't think I'll have a problem selling out uh, beaver stadium. So did no, you guys think... see uh, Jim Harbaugh's ascension was uh, appealed for a year later from now. And not, th- <laughs> and the best part is not that it, it he doesn't get to miss a game, whatever. It's that the committee on infractions chairman or whoever sent the text out to the media, to the media said it wasn't based on the cheeseburger. <laughs> so here we are thinking it was a, it was a damn cheeseburger, but it was not. Um, honestly, I have no idea how this is going to go. I personally, it doesn't make a difference. Um, if you really want to hit Harbs hard, you take away big 10 games, whatever, but I don't really see this as going to be a big deal. I don't, as much as I would like to see it be a big deal because it's Michigan and be funny. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. The one time the NCAA actually tries to have a spine post NIL, it doesn't work well, work out well for them. So I, I, I think like we discussed last week, it's we're, we're drifting further away from the NCAA having control of big time power five will soon to be just power four college football. So, We'll see how it evolves going into 2024 football season. It's interesting that the Harbaugh to the NFL question mark rumors are starting in August. They usually, those are usually um, hot uh, toward the end of the season, not the beginning of it. But uh really see how this does any damage uh, for Jim Harbaugh one way or the other. If, if it's going to hurt Michigan, uh, he'll vote or at least try to vote for the NFL probably. And if it doesn't hurt Michigan, then nothing happens. So uh, one way or the other, I can't really see this having too big of an impact. No, it's kind of like a non-conference game at the beginning of the season. It's not going to have much of an impact. But before we go, we are going to be mixing up the format of the podcast now that the season is getting underway. We are going to have Joe join us weekly. We're going to have our preview show. We're going to be pumping out two lashing outs every week. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really cool post game and a preview. Um, Joe will be joining us and, and plenty of other people as well, um, in and outside of the Penn state athletic department. But before we go dream concert at Beaver stadium, go. You're talking all time or who, who do you want to see play at Beaver stadium? I bet you Meek Mill would bring the absolute house down. I would say Taylor Swift because she might be the one with a shot that would, of getting 100,000 plus in. She might be able to do it. Listen, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say Taylor Swift so I can pivot and say Billy Joel. Billy Joel is yeah. one of the greatest performers of all time. I love Billy Joel. Um, I would 100% pay to see him at Beaver Stadium, but I also wouldn't mind Taylor Swift too. Yeah, I think if she had just a one-night stop in Happy Valley, that would absolutely sell it out. I was uh, years ago, years ago, I saw her at the Bryce Jordan Center. So it'd be a nice little welcome home party for her. But, you know, unfortunately, like her and some of the other people that are never, ever getting back together, we will be back together again 
next week on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. For Kevin, Joe, and Jared, we will talk to you again.